so you're not ready to preach the word. Uh, we are in a, our theme for 2021, our theme for 2021 is a theme called Beyond the Wall, a Year of Restoration. Beyond the Wall, a Year of Restoration. And the heart of this theme is, 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 is getting our people, and getting you guys, and getting us as a community, as a church, thinking about how do I begin to bring restoration to the world around me, right? And last week, what we talked about was we talked about the beginning process of it all is you got to bring restoration first to your own personal life. That God is calling you with an identity, and when that identity is solid and secure, then you begin to bring restoration to your family, to your city, to your church, to your work, right? And so... Um, I want to I wanna have a conversation today about the restoration of family, restoration of our family, because there's something going on in, in, our, in, our, in our generation that we have this huge ambivalence when it comes to marriage, right? We have this huge ambivalence when it comes to getting married or uh, finding a spouse or stuff like that, right? Almost, almost a sense of dread towards it because um, we, we, we feel it as, as an inconvenience to our future, we feel like as if it's a hurdle to our life, my desires, and we feel like we're going to be let down if we get into marriage, right? And so, and so all of a sudden, we unilaterally make this statement and make this decision, I'm not getting married, right? I'm not going to get married. I mean, have you asked God about it yet? Have you, have you talked to God about it? Do you even understand what biblical marriage means, right? Do you understand that, that, that God has made you to be a person that's supposed to bring spiritual legacy, right? Whether it's through discipleship or through your family, but you are called in every generation to be a family, a mom and dad or, 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 or husband and wife to bring about spiritual legacy. And so all of a sudden, in our generation, because of our Western upbringing, we just kind of unilaterally make this decision, I'm not getting married. Sorry, didn't talk to God about it, don't need to talk to God about it, that's my decision, right? And I think it's because we don't have the right understanding of biblical marriage. We don't have an understanding of what the biblical family is meant to look like. And we don't understand the purpose of it. And so we make these blanket statements based on our feelings based on our condition, based on how we feel at the moment, based on the situation around us. We make these blanket statements that I'm not getting married. So today I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that, okay? I want to give a picture of the family, specifically in marriage. And I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about the premise of marriage, okay? I'm talk about the purpose of marriage and then the penultimacy of marriage, okay? The premise of marriage, the purpose of marriage, and the penultimacy of marriage. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, right? And we're going to talk about the premise of marriage. What is the premise? Some of you guys think, oh, I'm, I'm married, PT. I already got this stuff down. Listen up a little bit. Maybe, maybe you can learn a few things, right? And those of you guys who aren't married, you're single, you're thinking like, I'm not so, so, so sure if I want to get married. Listen up a little bit. This might help you uh, in your walk, okay? The premise of marriage. What is the premise of before biblical marriage. Look at verse 18, chapter 5. The second part, not the do not get drunk part, okay? The second part is, instead be filled with the Spirit, the Bible says. 
Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on from 19 to 21 about certain clauses of what being filled with the Spirit looks like. Okay? Verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, the premise of marriage is this. The effect of the gospel in your life. If you say that the gospel is in your life, the effect that it should bring out from you, you know, singing psalms, all that good stuff, but in verse 21 is what I'm going to focus on, is that you serve one another. The effect of the gospel in your life is that you live your life to serve one another, okay? To be filled with the Spirit, one of the things you do is you submit to one another in verse 21. This is the effect of the gospel in your life, okay? All right, what this does is this, the gospel it has the power to erode self-centeredness because we talked about this, right? Otherwise, you're going to be just kind of self-focused, all about who, all about you, all about what you want, all about what you desire. The gospel gives you the ability to submit and to serve one another. The gospel has this power because what does the gospel do? The gospel takes away your self-centeredness. It humbles you because at the heart of the gospel is the message that it took nothing less than the death of the Son of God to save you. At the heart of the gospel is it took nothing less than the, Son of, the death of the Son of God in order to save you. That's how far gone you were. That's how far gone you were. And so you had, if you understand this, you, it, it, it literally... Place you on a, uh, it places you on this, op- uh, this flat, um, um, it, it levels the playing field for you across the board. You're not self-focused in this part. And it rem- also, it removes, oh, okay. at the same time, not only does it take away your self-centered, at the same time, it affirms you with the truth that the Son of God was willing to die for you. Okay? So the gospel does two things in your life. And if you're filled with the Spirit of God, the result of that is that you are to submit. You will be able to submit to one another. The gospel removes your self-centeredness. It removes this idea about I'm surviving for me. I'm living for myself. It's about my future. It's about my vision. It's about my dream. It's about what I want. It's about what I want to accomplish. It removes the self-centered mindset. And then it also, right, you become a person, it removes yourself, it, it removes the neediness in your life as well. Because it affirms you so completely. It removes your self-centeredness on one hand, and it removes your neediness for the affirmation of someone else. Because why? At the heart of the gospel, it tells you, you were this loved. That the Son of God would die for you. That's how precious, that's how worthy, that's how beautiful you are. And at the same time, it tells you that's how messed up you are, that it took the Son of God to save you. And when the Holy Spirit, listen guys, and when the Holy Spirit takes this truth and it drives it into your life, drives it completely into the center of your heart, changing your reality, the result is you become a person who is able to do what? You're able to be a person who is able to give thanks that you don't, I'm sorry, you're able to be a person who don't need a lot of things. You don't need a lot of affirmation. And you don't need your ego to be stroked. You don't need to live so that people can constantly affirm you. 
You see, when the Holy Spirit takes the truth that you are as messed up as you possibly can be, and yet you are loved as much as you possibly be, and he takes this truth and he drives it into your heart, changes your reality, it makes you into a person that lives without the need of the affirmations, the ego boost, and the, uh, the, the ego strokes from other people. You're so content in Jesus that you're much more able to give than to receive. You're able to put the needs of others before your own. You're serving each other. Okay? What does this got to do with marriage? What does this got to do with marriage? If you are filled with the Spirit, the Bible says one of the things that happens is that you are able to submit to one another. When two people are filled with the gospel and it has reshaped the way they think about themselves and others, marriage becomes this picture of service to one another. Look at verse, um, verse 22 to 25. This is what he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so as wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husband loves your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay? Marriage becomes this picture of service to one another, the submission to one another. If the gospel is in your life, the Bible says what? If the Spirit is working in your life and it's driving this truth home to your life, what begins to happen is that you become a person who is able to give rather than to receive, able to serve rather than to be served, able to submit rather than force everyone to submit to you. Okay? And in a marriage, when two people are filled with the gospel, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us you're able to to serve one another. And this is a very controversial topic, even for us in, tw in, in the 21st century. It's very controversial because it says that a wife, listen, it says that a wife should grant the husband leadership in the marriage and the husband should respond by taking up Jesus' model of leadership, which is to do what? To die for the other rather than to abuse, exploit, or displease. Okay? To submit to another, the Bible, this is very controversial because it tells us what? Wives, should grant husband leadership in the marriage, and the husband should respond by taking up Jesus' model of leadership. The premise, listen guys, the premise of this is that both people are filled and led by the gospel. Another, another way of saying this is this. Ladies, don't you dare trust a man. Don't you dare trust a man. Don't you dare surrender your life. Don't you dare marry a man and give him this trust, this submission, unless his male ego has been permanently reshaped by the gospel of the cross. You guys following me? Right? It's not just to jump into a relationship and just kind of hope for the best. You should not marry a man. You should not submit to this leadership if he is a man who has not submitted his own personal ego to the gospel. If he is a man that cannot change, because what the gospel does, and this is why we always kind of tell you guys, hey, when you guys have a boyfriend, just... Let's check him off, right? Because what, what we're really checking is, look, is the gospel alive in his life? Does he have community around him? Because if that's the case, what's going to happen? He can change. He can change to, to serve you. He can change in need, for, uh, in need of whenever you, he can change in such a way that's able to be a service to you. And you should never, you should never allow for a relationship to happen if this guy that you're dating 
is unwilling, unwilling to have his ego checked by the gospel, right? Don't trust a man unless he's willing to say, hey, I'm going to lay down whatever I have to bring you flourishing. And I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to you and hear what is it exactly that would bring you flourishing, right? What is this leadership that you're surrendering to, ladies? Okay, what is this leadership that you're surrendering to? He's called to love you unconditionally, right? He's called to love you unconditionally. But you got to figure out in, in this marriage, it's not just about like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, su- I'm submitting myself to this guy and he just tells me what to do. No, it's not like that, right? He's called to love you unconditionally. And so you, you guys as a married couple have to figure out what that means, okay? Let's say, for example, if he says, hey, this is what I want to show you, that I, this is how I want to show you that I love you unconditionally. This is how I want to do it. Because this is how my dad did it for my mom. And so she was loved by that. And so I want to do that for you. See, when you have a guy who says that, okay, that's not a man whose male ego has been reshaped by the cross. That's somebody who keeps saying, I will tell you what love looks like rather than actually serving and loving you and asking, what does it take to bring you flourishing? What does it take for me to show you that I love you without condition? Because if he forces this on you, right, I remember this story, I told you guys a long time ago, like, um, I had a buddy who, uh, who was pretty baller, right, and he liked this girl, and he, he said, you know, the next girl I date, I'm going to buy her, right, a thousand flowers, right, a thousand flowers. And true to his word, okay, he bought her a thousand roses. Everywhere she went, there was roses. There was roses in her car, roses at her work. There was roses everywhere, you know, roses everywhere. And this is the thing, okay. She looked at him one time, and she said, you know, she was very touched by it. It was a very grand gesture. But this is what she said. She said, you know, um, you, know that, you know that frame that we have in my, in, in my room She's like, of our picture? He said, yeah. You know, it's made of, of lilies. He's like, yeah, I, I remember that. I was like, lilies are my favorite flowers, right? And he said, well, they're probably not your favorite flowers anymore, right, because it's probably roses now, Right? So what, what he was saying was, I'll tell you what love looks like rather than ask you how to love you, with, uh, how to love you the way that you need to be loved. See, what the Bible tells us, the premise, listen guys, the premise of a relationship, the premise of a relationship, to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be working on the God, to be walking in the gospel, is that you are called... Okay, you are called um, together, okay, you are called together to serve one another. The premise, of, uh, the premise of a marriage, the premise of any relationship begins with this mindset. Are you two spirit-filled in such a way where the gospel has completely fulfilled you in your neediness and your affirmation? has stripped away your self-centeredness, that you're able to give and to serve the other person? Because if the gospel is working in you, then guess what? Submission becomes easy. Because he is called, ladies, to what? To love you unconditionally? He's called to create a spiritual atmosphere in the home. Right? How he does that is up to you. 
up to you guys to talk about it, but it's not like he just tells you what to do. Together, you submit to build this atmosphere, to build, to provide for you. He's called to love you unconditionally. To, he's called to create a spiritual atmosphere in the home for you, and he's called to provide for you. How you do that is not some like, I'm the man, you listen to me. But that I am your husband, I submit myself as Christ submitted himself to the church and died for the church. I submit myself to you. And so what do you need from me? Let me live it out to bless you. That's the premise. It's the ability to serve each other. And you cannot serve one another if the gospel is not alive in you. Can I tell you that? It is almost impossible to serve the other person, to submit to the other person, if the gospel is not alive in the premise of submission, the premise of coming together is that the gospel, the spirit is alive and working in both of you. Right? But here's the thing. What's the purpose of marriage? Why did people get married in the first place? Okay? Ancient culture, traditional culture, right, tells us what? Marriage is basically a business proposition. Okay, back in the days, you didn't marry for love. You got married in a way that helped your family, reputation, and security in the world. Because ancient culture and traditional culture, family is everything. And so you got married to help your family. You didn't get married because out of love. You got married out of duties, right? Why do people get married today? Western culture, you marry for your own individual fulfillment. I want to be with this person because they make me feel good, right? You marry someone who makes you feel good about yourself. You marry to feel complete. Marriage becomes a sociological uh, consumer relationship where if you, as long as you can make me feel good about me, we are good. We can stay in this relationship. But the moment you fail to do your side of the bargain, then I'm going to upgrade and move on from you. Right? That's why people get married in our culture, Western culture. Bible tells us what, though? Bible tells us that these two ways of thinking about marriage is too reductionist. These two ways to think about marriage are both wrong because, yeah, the the two uh, the two reductions in nature. Bible says the purpose of marriage is gospel reenactment. Look at verse twenty five to twenty seven. Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Bible says that both tradition, whether it's Western tradition or whether it's traditional, okay, are the wrong way of looking at marriage. Marriage is gospel reenactment. Gospel reenactment. It's seeing what God is doing in that person's life and direction that he is taking them and the glory that he is preparing for them. And it gets you excited to join in and be a part of that journey. See, when God saves you, he doesn't leave you, right? When God saves you, he, he finds you exactly where you are, but he will never leave you where you are. He will move you forward until you become a man or a woman that is glory. And in the same way, what is marriage according to the Bible? Bible's marriage is this, is that you are with somebody who looks at you. Who looks at you and sees you for that day when you stand before God in glory. When all of this death and decay begins to fall away and you bloom. 
with the beauty and the glory that God has made you to be. And you look at this person, he said, you are, this is the person I have always known you to be. This is the person I've always known you to be. And, I am ex- I, and I'm in this marriage with you because I want to bring you to that place. I want to serve you to get you to that place. I want to join into this thing that God is doing in your life. I want to be a part of that because when I look at you, what I see, what I see is this person that I've always known. The glory of God alive and working in you. To fall in love with someone in the Christian understanding is to imagine yourself on the final judgment day. Right? When God destroys all death and everything wrong with you falls off. You blossom and become everything you were meant to be. To fall in love with someone is to imagine being there on that day, looking at them and saying, I always knew you could be this way. I've always known it. And so I fight for it. I'm here with you because I want to get you there. I mean, I shared the story with you guys, you know, with my, um, uh, my youth pastor a long time ago. You know, like, uh, like my youth pastor, Steve, I, I shared how he's like this really weird, clunky guy, you know, just really awkward in every possible way, right? Never think he's going to get married ever, right? And all of a sudden, you know, finds himself a girlfriend. A couple months later, finds himself a wife, right? A few years later, I asked him to do my uh, marriage counseling. I sat him, he sat me down. He went away. Sarah, his wife, was there. I asked her, like, Sarah, honestly. Why Steve, right? Like, it's, it's Steve. He's just so weird, you know? Like, why, you know? And then she looked at me, and she, it's, it's, again, at that time I didn't understand what she was saying, but I, I got it. But this, she said this, Tony, when I look at Steve, when I look at Steve, what I see is the man that God has made him to be. And I'm excited to walk with him to get him there. I'm not perfect either, Right? And yet when he looks at me, he sees the woman that God has made me to be. And he's excited to walk with me to be there. And again, I looked at her, I was like, whoa, Sarah, very romantic. I have no idea what you just said, right? But I know it's very romantic, you know? I have no idea. But that's the, I, that's the heart of the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is gospel reenactment. Is that in this, in this relationship with this person that you're with, right, Right? In this relationship with the person you're with, you're reenacting what Jesus Christ is doing in that person's life. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And that joy was to see who you would become. He took the cross so that he can take you to a place of who you were meant to be. And so as you are in this relationship, as you are in this marriage, you're not in it so that you can get fulfilled. You're not in it so that someone can get something out of it for you. You're not in it so that you can feel a certain way. You're in it because you look at them and you said, I see something about you. That God is doing in your life. And I want to be a part of getting you there. And I'm willing to lay down my rights. I'm willing to submit my personal rights to get you there. In the same way, for the joy set before you, you sacrificially commit your life to this person. 
You sacrificially commit your life to this person. You put their flourishing and their thriving ahead of yours. You become the vehicle that God uses to get them to that glory. What am I trying to say, guys? What am I saying here? We are in a series called Fishers of Men. And it's a series that seeks to bring restoration. And you know what's the one thing that we have messed up in our world? It's this picture of marriage. This picture of being with somebody. Somehow, along the way, you've got this impression in your head that to be married with somebody is to somehow fulfill your own personal needs and wants. That's not what the Bible says at all. That's not what the Bible says at all. Can I tell you, the Bible is not very romantic in this, pro, this area either. The Bible's idea is that I am in this for you. I am in this to get you to this place. Love, love is this willingness to say, I will lay down my rights for you. Are we doing that? Do we see that? For those of you guys who are so scared of marriage, so scared to even go into marriage, right? Is it because you're afraid to be let down? Is it because you're so afraid that it's going to be an inconvenience to your life? Are you afraid that no one can actually love you? Are you afraid to be in marriage for that? Because if you are in a marriage like that, if you are in a marriage where it's about you, you're not dealing with the biblical picture of marriage. Nothing is more fulfilling, guys. Listen, nothing is more fulfilling when two people are willing to serve the other unconditionally. And nothing can bring you to a place where you're able to serve the other person unless the gospel has reshaped the way your heart is, because your heart is always selfish. Your heart is always needy. Your heart is always wanting about me, me, me. But the biblical picture is that the gospel changes your heart and makes it about the other person, makes it about serving, submitting to the other person. And marriage, marriage is not about fulfilling my personal need. Marriage is about showing the gospel. And living it out fully for that person. Right? And I know what you're thinking. Because some of you guys are thinking this. It seems like, PT, this could be an exploitation. Right? What if the other person, what if one person is all giving and the other person is exploiting and abusing the person? Right? What if one person is all into marriage, is all about Jesus Christ and serving and giving and submitting. And the other spouse, the other relationship, the other person in that relationship is exploiting this type of love, okay? Where does that fit in? Because it's possible, right, to use this to exploit where the Christian marriage is about, I will serve you even if you don't serve me. Very easy to exploit. Now, what does the Bible say here? Look at verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Do you know, in verse 32, the Christian doctrine of marriage, you know, you know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying that marriage is not the greatest thing in the world. It's a penultimate thing, but it's not an ultimate thing. 
Paul is saying that marriage, right, I've been talking because it ultimately points to something else. Marriage points to something else. If marriage is an ultimate thing, if you get married, if you're seeking for marriage because you think it will complete you, right, in your life, it becomes this ultimate thing for your life, it will be a disaster for your life. Think about this. Think about um, more of the Eastern culture. You ever heard of honor killing, right? Honor killing? Because family is so ultimate, when a young woman or a young man have sex outside of marriage, some relatives actually kill those young men and young women, right? Because the honor and the cohesion of the family is everything. That is ultimate. See, when you make marriage an ultimate thing, it becomes a disaster for you. Paul is saying marriage is not an ultimate thing. Marriage points to what's ultimate. Marriage is just one thing that points to something bigger, okay? Western marriage. I know we don't do any honor killing here in Western culture, but Western marriage, we make marriage about personal fulfillment, okay? We think marriage is about making me happy. What are we trying to do? We want to elevate our partner to this position of ultimate, okay? We want to be rid of our faults. We want our feelings uh, of nothingness. Or, we want to be rid of our faults, our feelings of nothingness. We want our lives to be, that our existence has not been in vain. We want to know that we mean something to somebody. And so we use our spouse, we use a boyfriend, we use a girlfriend, we use a relationship to do what? To make us feel better about ourselves. See the problem here? Because no human love can do that. No human relationship can bear the burden of godhood. Meaning, eventually when you marry someone, let me tell you guys the truth, okay? Eventually when you marry someone, okay, They will reflect the imperfection of earthly decay. No matter how much in love you were in the beginning, somewhere in the marriage you will see the imperfection of their lives. You will see the imperfection of their life. And, and, to, and to put them in this pedestal that unless I am feeling loved by you, Unless you are offering me this love, unless you fulfill my sense of worth, my sense of dignity, my sense of, my sense of redemption, right? I want to place you in that position. The Bible says no. There's no relationship that can do that. What does the Bible say? Marriage, even the great marriages, is pointing to something beyond ourselves. That's what the marriage is saying, Okay? Even the best marriage is just a foretaste of what's being, what it's being point, pointed to. Marriage is pointing to the spousal love of Jesus Christ. Think about this. Jesus Christ looked into your heart. He looked into your heart. And as he looked into your heart, what did he see? He saw self-centeredness. He saw cluelessness. He saw, he saw a heart that did not desire him whatsoever. And what did he do? He died for us anyway. He died for us anyway. The very people he was trying to love crucified him. In the greatest act of spousal love, he looked at you and what did he do? Did he run? Did he hide? Did he give up? No, he stayed. Okay? And if you take that into your heart, 
Check this out. When your spouse is not being what a spouse ought to be, you can say, you know what? You're not being what a spouse ought to be, but I'm going to be the spouse that I should be. I'm going to forgive you. You know why? Because I can. Because your love is not what is ultimate for my life. Actually, the love of Jesus Christ is what's ultimate in my life. And because, because his love is more important than your love, that's why I know I can love you well. Because of his love for me, even though I was, even, even when I myself messed up with him, he chose to stay with me. That's how I know that with you, with you, even when you don't show up the way you ought to show up, I can still be there for you. Because you are not my ultimate. You are not what elevates me and gives me sense of worth. You are not what gives me a sense of identity. You, I'm able to love you because of what he's done. If your love is the most important thing in my life and you let me down, right? If, 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 if you're in a relationship and that person's love is the most important thing in your life and they let you down, what happens? Two things happen. Either you scratch out their eyes because you hate them, right? Or... You bone out because you can't deal with it. You can't stay. You can't stay. Because you made relationship about you. You made it all about you. Does that mean that, does that mean that we should condone this idea that, hey, that, that still seems one more. What if the other person is abusive to this, this, this person, what if a person who is filled with the Spirit is, they, is, is being with someone who's not? And that person is, is abusing them, the person is, is exploiting them, that person is hurting them. Is that love, guys? Is it love to allow someone to continue to sin against you? The answer is no. Just as Jesus Christ has boundaries for you in a relationship that is wise, you have boundaries for that person, Okay? You love them different. You don't let them continue. You're not just bending over and say, okay, just take advantage of me. Because when you do that, you're allowing them to sin against you. And when you're allowing them to sin against you, that's not love. Love is saying, I will not let you sin against me. If you're going to act this way, I will love you differently. I will, I will make it so that at certain times, I, it might be difficult, but I will love you differently. Say, for example, um, a story one time of this young lady who grew up with her father, very horrible dad, right, abusive father, very abusive in his words all the time. Every time they talk on the phone, always yelling, always demeaning, always making her feel like a nobody, right. But she found Christ. She found Christ in her life. Her heart was changed. Her desire changed. And so even though he was abusive in her word, his words to her, what did she do? She decided, I'm still going to reach out and love her father. So she calls him every week. Every week she calls him. Once a week, she calls him, says, how are you, dad, blah, blah. And without fail, within, you know, 15, 20 minutes, she, he would say something very ugly, very disgusting, very wrong. And she always says this, look, dad, I love you. I care for you. But when you get into the state, I will not continue this conversation. I will let, I will love you differently. Loving you does not mean that I let you abuse me. Loving you does not mean that I let you do whatever you want to me. Loving you is setting boundaries for you. And so what does she do? Whenever he got that way, she'll say, okay, dad, 
you know what, I'm going to hang up the phone. I'll call you next week. That's it. But without fail, she calls me again next week. And every single time, she allows for these boundaries to be there. And so in a relationship, listen, guys, in a relationship, some of you two, some of you are too unhappy about not being married. Right? Some of you guys are like, why am I not married? Why is he not here? Or why is she doesn't exist in this world right now? Can I tell you something? Being married, right, is not enough to fill up the deepest desires of your heart. You know that? Being married, it won't help. It won't help you face death in the end, right? The one spouse whose love can fill your heart and answer its deepest longing awaits you if you believe. And that one spouse is Jesus Christ. Some of you guys are way too sad that you're not being, way too unhappy about not being married. You think that somehow marriage is going to fulfill everything about you. It won't. It won't. I'm sorry, it won't. Those of you guys who have been married, you know this for a fact, right? Doesn't. Some of you are too afraid of being married, right? So many, you guys have no idea how often when I hear you guys say, I don't want to get married. It actually breaks my heart, right? I don't know why. Either you're afraid to be let down, right? You're afraid to engage something because you don't know if that person will actually love you. So you're afraid of being married? See, if Jesus is not central to your life, you're right. Your marriage will be a disaster. But if Jesus is central to your life, if Jesus is central to your life, do you know what you can do? Do you know if Jesus is central to your life and if Jesus is central to their life, do you know the beauty and the fulfillment that can come out of that marriage? Some of you are unhappy in your marriages. Some, sometimes you're thinking, if only my spouse does A, B, or C, then everything will be fine. It doesn't work like that, right? The one spouse that you need is available. If he is central to your life, you can handle any, any unhappy marriage a lot better than you are right now. Even if your spouse does A, B, C, it doesn't always work out because the one thing that your heart is desperately longing and needing is Jesus Christ the true spouse of your heart. And if he is there, if he is there, you can live a life, guys, where you are engaging in a relationship not so that you can feel fulfilled, but that you can give to the other person. So that you can lift the other person up. See, sisters, ladies, I, I want to tell you guys, don't you dare submit yourself to any dude if his ego is not checked by the Lord Jesus Christ. It, was, it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense for you to come along and submit yourself to the leadership of some guy whose heart, whose direction, whose mind is not even centered on God. If he's not centered on God, how is he going to serve? If he's not centered on God, you know what he's going to be doing? The whole entire time he is going to be in this marriage for himself. Until you fulfill his needs, then he will fulfill your needs. And he can use the Bible. He can say, you know, you submit under me because the Bible tells me headship, whatnot, spiritual legacy, all that good stuff, right? But if his heart is not under Christ, there will be no change. And submitting yourself under that is just a, a recipe for disaster. In the same way, brothers, in the same way, that you are in a relationship, not for your personal affirmation, 
Not because she completes you, not because she makes you feel good about yourself, not because she makes you a better man or a better person. That's great. That's awesome. But you are in this relationship as Christ is in the relationship with the church. He did what? Even though the church crucified him, he laid down his life for her. He stayed. He didn't run. He didn't hide. He didn't give up. He stayed. Let me tell you, that's not going to happen. You're not going to bring any restoration across the board if your heart is not there, guys. The gospel allows for us to have restoration in our families, a restoration that builds legacy, a restoration that actually continues God's kingdom and moves his kingdom forward. The gospel frees us to be a people that serves rather than to be served. See, guys, biblical marriage, biblical marriage is not the Western ideal of making myself feel good, being great, completing myself. Biblical marriage is me for you as Christ was for me. So you can be in a very broken relationship. I mean, if, if, if two people did not know Christ and one began to know Christ, right, comes to this realization of knowing God, what can happen? That person's love for Jesus Christ begins to be a light to the person who does not. Right? I want you guys to think about this. Right? I want you guys to think about, instead of just unilaterally dismissing the idea of marriage and pushing it aside, I want you guys to actually ask, God, do you really want me, should I get married? Is this something that's in the cards for me? God, is this, is this something that, that you want for me? Like, how are you building spiritual legacy, guys? How are you building spiritual legacies? Are you making disciples at least? Because one of the ways in which from the very beginning in Genesis, the way you build spiritual legacy is through marriage. It is creating and fulfilling God's kingdom as you serve and bless the other people, expanding that. So here you are, you say that I love Jesus Christ, I'm a follower of God, I submit myself to him, and yet in your heart you unilaterally dismiss the idea that maybe God has a plan for you and his kingdom. And you just kind of like, eh, forget it. Because it's too much of a burden to get married. It's too much of a burden to think about someone liking me. It's too much of a burden in my, too much of an inconvenience in my personal life. You know, when you start talking like that, you know what you sound like? You sound like a self-centered person whose gospel is not in you. Whose heart has forgotten that though you were an enemy of the king, he died for you. So my prayer is this. I pray that you guys come to a place, at least in your heart, to recognize if the gospel is alive in you, you can serve the other person. And the purpose of marriage is what? Gospel reenactment. And realizing that at the end of it, you can continue to love and bless and share and pour out to somebody. Because why? Because their love back to you is not the ultimate thing for your life. You already have the ultimate thing. Marriage points you to who your true spouse is, 
Jesus Christ. And so because you understand his love for you in spite of how you reacted to him, you're able to love someone fully in spite of the way they act towards you. It's not about you. It's never about you. And I pray that you don't make marriage about you. Because that's the, that is the number one recipe for disaster. Is when you make your marriage, your wife, your husband, live, survive just for you. Let's pray.